Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Hear me, O coastlands. Listen, O distant peoples. The Lord called me from birth. From my mother's womb, he gave me my name. He made of me a sharp-edged sword and concealed me in the shadow of his arm. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver he hid me. You are my servant, he said to me, Israel, through whom I show my glory. Though I thought I had toiled in vain and for nothing uselessly spent my strength, yet my reward is with the Lord, my recompense is with my God. For now the Lord has spoken who formed me as his servant from the womb, that Jacob may be brought back to him, and Israel gathered to him. And I am made glorious in the sight of the Lord, and my God is now my strength. It is too little, he says, for you to be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivors of Israel. I will make you a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I praise you, for I am wonderfully made. I praise you, for I am wonderfully made. O Lord, you have probed me, you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand. You understand my thoughts from afar. My journeys and my rest you scrutinize. With all my ways you are familiar. I praise you, Lord for I am wonderfully made. Truly you have formed my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I give you thanks that I am fearfully wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. I praise you, for I am wonderfully made. My soul also you knew full well, nor was my frame unknown to you, when I was made in secret, when I was fashioned in the depths of the earth. I praise you, for I am wonderfully made. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. In those days, Paul said, God raised up David as king. Of him, God testified, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will carry out my every wish. From this man's descendants, God, according to his promise, has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. John heralded his coming by proclaiming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his course, he would say, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. Behold, one is coming after me. I am not worthy to unfasten the sandals of his feet. My brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those others among you who are God-fearing, to us, this word of salvation has been sent. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. 
You, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy toward her, and they rejoiced with her. When they came on the eighth day to circumcise the child, they were going to call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said in reply, No, he will be called John. But they answered her, There is no one among your relatives who has this name. So they made signs asking his father what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, John is his name. And all were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue freed, and he spoke blessing of God. Then fear came upon all their neighbors, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What then will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the desert until the day of his manifestation to Israel. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We have come in just these recent days to the longest day of the year in terms of sunlight, right? The beginning of summer is called the summer solstice. And uh, this is the day, solstice means the sun stands still. It gets to its farthest point. You know, it it's, uh, varies throughout the course of the year, the amount of daylight. Gets to its highest point here towards the end of June. And then, ever so gradually each day, the amount of sunlight begins to diminish until when we get into the winter, we end up with the shortest day of the year, and, uh, and that is the winter solstice. When it's evenly divided, by the way, that's the equinox, uh, that's summer and fall. The beginning of summer and fall is when the amount of daylight and darkness are equal. Okay. This has to do with the feast we're celebrating today. St. John the Baptist says, uh, when he uh, speaks of Jesus, whom he introduces to the world, he must increase while I must decrease. On this birth of John the Baptist, which we celebrate today, it's June the 24th each year. This year is an exception. It's celebrated a day early because tomorrow's the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart, which takes precedence. But the point is that it's six months before Christmas. It's six months before Christmas. John the Baptist was six months older than his cousin Jesus. And you remember the visitation Mary hears at the Annunciation that Elizabeth is pregnant, and so she goes and tends to her needs, and the baby leaps in the womb for joy. John does at, at, at hearing the greeting of Mary who is carrying the Son of God. 
But the daylight begins to decrease now. The birth of John the Baptist, I must decrease while he must increase. Now, you know why Christmas is December the 25th? Because the pagans celebrated the feast of the unconquered sun. The unconquered sun. Because at the polar opposite of today, where we have in these days the most amount of daylight, you get to days just before Christmas, you have the least amount, but then ever so gradually it begins to increase again. So, of course, the ancients realized this and they said, ah, the unconquered sun. The darkness was growing, but it stopped and now the light is coming back. So, Christians celebrate Christmas to celebrate the coming of the light of the world, the unconquered light of the world that shines on in the darkness, a darkness that does not overcome it, the unconquered Son of God, Jesus Christ. John, born six months before Jesus, proclaims this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He introduces to those around him and to the world who this Jesus is. But he doesn't start with that. He starts by proclaiming repentance. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He's clearing out the threshing floor. Repent. Turn away from sin. And he quotes the prophet Isaiah. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths in the desert. Make a highway for our God. Every mountain shall be made low. Every valley shall be raised up. We must be raised up from our weaknesses. We must lower the mountains of our arrogance and pride that insist on doing things our own way instead of God's way. We must clear the way and make room for the God who comes. Yes, he's all powerful. He can clear the way himself. But he has given us the freedom to say yes or no, to sin or to rise in virtue. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make it clear that you want to welcome him into your life and into the world. Repent. So John goes so far as not only to point out sin and to say, look, sin is incompatible with God. If God is coming, get sin out of the way. You can't make him come. His coming is not a result of any merit that you have gained, but you can clear away the obstacles so that when he comes, he can enter you as fully as he wants to. This is what, 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 what John's ministry is about. He proclaims this, and then he offers a baptism of repentance. The baptism of John is not the same as the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of John is a pointer indicating our willingness to turn away from sin, Jesus' baptism, of course, regenerates us, makes us sons and daughters of God, actually washes those sins away. Two different things. But John, in his proclamation, are absolutely necessary for us to understand what the Christian life is about. Because Jesus has come, we have been baptized, but the dynamic remains that each day as we welcome God, as we welcome the God who comes every day, we've got to clear the way by repentance. Nowadays, too many, well, this has always been a problem, but uh, it's particularly clear nowadays, once again, too many want to welcome Christ without any repentance. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote about this 
in his famous book, The Cost of Discipleship, and he called it Cheap Grace. Let me read a little bit of what he wrote. Because this is this, this whole idea that, oh, well, you know, God loves us just the way we are. We welcome Him. We don't have to do anything. Let me read what Bonhoeffer says, because it, it, it is an explanation, if you will, of why we're celebrating John the Baptist. Why he proclaimed a baptism of repentance. Why he said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Bonhoeffer writes, cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap jacks wares. The sacraments, the forgiveness of sin, and the consolations of religion are thrown away at cut prices. Grace is represented as the church's inexhaustible treasury from which she showers blessings with generous hands without asking questions or fixing limits. Without asking questions or fixing limits. Come on, everybody. Come on in. The door is wide open. We welcome all. Bonhoeffer goes on. Grace without price. Grace without cost. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. We cannot welcome God unless we throw sin out the door. You can't welcome Jesus into your heart without throwing sin out of your heart. And so we have this drama unfolding in our personal, private lives. We need to go to confession. We need to confess to the Lord, turn away from sin, and we see this drama unfolding in our public life. In particular, here in the United States of America, we have had to have archbishops and bishops speak up to people who, in the public arena, want to promote cheap grace. We had the Vice President of the United States just the other day speaking in favor of baby killing by abortion, saying, we people of faith can accept this, and we don't have to change or abandon our faith. Yeah, of course not. The churches, blessings, showered with generous hands without asking questions or fixing limits. No, there's no limit to the welcome God gives, these people say. Even if we kill babies, there's nothing inconsistent. We don't have to abandon our faith. We don't have to change our faith. So says the theologian vice president. And then we have the speaker of the house saying again and again, in answer to questions about killing babies in late term of the pregnancy or without any restrictions or limits whatsoever, how does she explain that? I'm a devout Catholic. Cheap grace. And she defies 
her own archbishop's exclusion of her from communion. That's really because of her own choices, not his. And claims to be able to go to communion anyway. There's no limits, no questions asked. Come on, everybody. Come on in. And then we have Biden doing the same disgraceful thing. I'm a devout Catholic. Why don't you keep quiet about your religion and start serving the country in some kind of competent way? Stop promoting the killing of babies. Stop getting behind legislation that would remove any limit on abortion. In fact, stop destroying this country and stop talking about being a devout Catholic while you're doing so. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Yes, God wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. God wants to welcome everyone into the church, into the community of believers. And yes, He loves us just the way we are. But don't miss the other part of the equation. He loves us just the way we are, but He loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He wants to transform us. He wants to make us saints. He wants to purify us. He wants to make us holy. That's why He sent John. That's why the church celebrates John's birth as a solemnity. The message is so important. Yes, God welcomes all, but He welcomes all to a specific way of life which excludes sin, including abortion. It excludes it. Yes, there are limits. There are conditions. There are requirements. There are things that must change. God welcomes all into His community. And when he welcomes us, he introduces us to what that community means. And he says, I want you to be like me. Repent, change, reform, be transformed. Once again, brothers and sisters, what Pelosi and Biden and these people like them are doing is not stumbling along on the path of discipleship, being weak, like all of us are, and falling down and getting back up again, when they are actively promoting child killing, they're not stumbling along the path of discipleship at all. They're running in the opposite direction. Bonhoeffer, let me just read a few more words of his. Grace is costly because it calls us to follow. It is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon His Son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered Him up for us. St. John the Baptist, born today, showed us the one who would deliver himself up for us, introduced us to the Lamb of God, and we say his words, John's words, at every Mass. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. 
how can Jesus' mission have any meaning if there are no sins to be taken away? How can his coming have any significance if he just comes without requiring us to throw those sins away? Let's stop minimizing, let's stop diminishing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power, the transforming and challenging power of grace. But rather, let's accept grace in all its fullness. And as John tells us, behold the Lamb of God who takes your sins away. Let us say, welcome Jesus. I know that you welcome me. Lord, therefore, take my sins away. Don't leave me the way I am. Make me different. Transform me. Lift me up. Change me, Lord, into your own image, your life, your grace, your salvation. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.